Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Backseat Future. This is a podcast about GPT-3, multimodal AI models like DALI. I may talk about a company called OpenAI. Every once in a while, I share interesting research, such as the CARP research paper, which came out a few months ago. I'll also share my own thoughts on where things are going, what it could mean for the future, uh, different things we could be improving in the community. Uh, and I also just talk about how I'm finding different AI products, such as OpenAI's Codex. If you remember a few podcast episodes ago, I talked in detail about how OpenAI Codex could be improved, where I think the gaps are, these sort of things. So anyways, I'd like to welcome you back to Multimodal. I think it's been about a month since I've uploaded a podcast. Uh, I hope you had a great holiday. I hope you got to spend time with your family and friends. I hope you're safe. Um, in today's episode, I, I want to talk about a few things. Um, to start with, I have some housekeeping podcast updates. Uh, then I want to talk about this big article I dropped in December with predictions for the 22, 2022 New Year. Um, I, I then want to briefly chat about Glide, which is a research paper. It's an image generation uh, AI model. Um, and then I want to close out by talking about GitHub Copilot. So the GitHub Copilot stuff is very real, and I actually think it may surpass GPT-3. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk more about why that is. However, so if you want to skip the housekeeping stuff and just sort of jump straight to when the AI chat begins, I'm going to put the timestamp maybe here. So you'll be able to just jump ahead. And of course, that timestamp will be in the show notes as well. Um, so to start with, with housekeeping, so um, to begin with, I'm very well aware that the audio quality on this podcast has declined. When I personally, as a listener, listen to my own podcast and go back to maybe uh, May, July, August of last year, audio was 10 out of 10, very crisp, at least by my understanding. And then post, like after August of last year, the audio quality has, has not been that good. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I actually think it's, it's just has to do with my living situation, which had changed in August. Um, there's a lot of echo in this room. Unfortunately, I, I, I have been looking into getting the sound insulation and putting those things on the wall. Uh, it might be a couple thousand dollars. I'm willing to spend it. Uh, the problem right now is I, I'm having trouble even measuring and gauging the existing amount of echo in, in the space, right? Um, I looked into different audio tools that, which can measure that, even some open source stuff, which was cool. The problem is I'm not a big audio guy. Like I'm not an audiophile and these programs are way too overloaded with different features and information. I barely understand what's going on. All I want is just really crisp audio, um, but... I just I want to let you know I'm aware of this problem. I'm hoping to fix it in the 22, 2022 new year. The podcast is also, you know, this year it is also going to go through some changes. So this current format is a little bit too formal. Like I'm basically at my desk. Um, I'm interested in maybe, you know, getting a space carved out where I can just sort of relax and chill on like a couch um, and sort of have the podcast that way. I want something more laid back, less formal. Um, and at the same time, like even little things like the podcast cover, uh, I'm hoping you're looking at it right now. Um, the art style and concept of that podcast cover, uh, do you remember those old school VHS tapes? 
I'm not sure how much I'm dating myself here, but if you remember, they used to have these really cool designs on them. Uh, you know, abstract patterns with different shapes, uh, maybe some grids going on. Um, and so that theme is supposed to be the theme of the podcast. <laughs> and uh, nowadays, whenever anybody looks at the podcast cover even, which is supposed to represent that theme, the main feedback I get is, you know, I, I must be really socially progressive <laughs> because all they see is this rainbow, right? Um, and I am. But uh, I just like I'm working on developing the art style, being more uh, disciplined about it. I'm also going to be partnering with somebody who's a filmmaker to help me improve sort of the production quality of the podcast, not just as audio, but video as well. I'm interested in getting some assets made, um, you know, like such a thing as like a little agenda which pops up, you know, and it like so when I'm talking about a new item, the agenda will update with the new item. I want some cool transitions. Uh, maybe uh, maybe an intro outro theme that'd be really cool. So, anyways, the the podcast like again, I don't have de definitive dates, but this year I'm hoping at some point I will improve the quality of it, um, and the audio for sure is is definitely a starting point uh, because it's been bothering me too. Um, and I, of course, I apologize, and I'm aware of the issue. I'm going to be working on it. Um, so, podcast personal life update. Uh, so. I was like really proud actually of my performance last year in 2021. Um, I sort of compiled a Substack newsletter piece with all my, uh, you know, best performing articles, videos, podcasts across the range of mediums that I published to. Um, and it was surprising even for me how much content I put out last year that has, you know, started some conversations in the community, changed things, got people thinking. Um, I'm just really proud of some of the contributions last year. And so this year, I'm not that much hard on myself. Uh, I don't have any New Year's resolutions. This is the first year where I told myself I, I, I actually would prefer to play it by ear. Um, in, our in the tech industry in general, and especially our space, things move so fast. Things are changing constantly. You're constantly exposed to new opportunities. I almost think the greater risk is deciding on some arbitrary goals in December 2021 and holding yourself accountable to them for all of 2022 when the world will be completely different, right? Um, and so anyways, this is my first year. I do not have any New Year's resolutions. Mainly over the past couple months or so, I've just been focused on improving the quality of my life. Uh, for example, I stopped drinking tea two years ago. I stopped drinking coffee. Excuse me. I stopped drinking coffee two years ago. I've been drinking tea. And lately, you know, I, I had loose leaf tea at a friend's house. It was incredible. So I've been looking into just sort of getting higher quality tea. Um, I sort of, you know, working on my living situation, buying new furniture and stuff. And the reason is simply that, you know, I'm not a college student anymore where I can just get by and be happy with sort of these base level things or whatever's laying around the house. Uh, I think I'm transitioning to a new point in my life where I want to actually start thinking long-term. Long-term, what is the best kind of tea that I want to drink every day that brings me joy? You know, how, how's my car? Is it safe? Is it reliable? Am I happy? Does it have the capacity perhaps for more people? Um, and so also all these things, like they, they do add to my overall happiness and of course the sustainability of my work which is a big thing I'm thinking about. Uh, it's awesome last year, I, I didn't really burn out. I didn't push myself too hard. There were definitely times where everything was challenging, but um, you know, I'm really proud of my performance last year and I wanna invest more just in my own 
sustainability of my life? You know, what even 20 years from now, uh, you know, what's how can I optimize my own living right now so that I'm happy? Um, anyway, so that's my personal life update. You know, we talked about the podcast uh, stuff I want to do. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me check the show notes before I see if I didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about I just wrote note of compassion. So uh, I wanted to talk about just the whole situation with lockdowns. So by the way, like I had recorded a podcast episode last week um, and it was all about these lockdowns and where I think, you know, it's, it can be pretty bad for society, uh, different, you know, effects we, we may be seeing as a result, at least in Canada, uh, of, of the new variant. But I had actually pulled that podcast because I felt maybe it's a little bit too controversial. And also, this is a podcast about AI. <laughs> and so... I wasn't quite sure if it was relevant either. And so um, that podcast, perhaps, it, you know, the world may never see it. It may come back as a leaked kind of <laughs> crazy video that gets discovered. I don't think I said anything too bad, but this stuff is all just so controversial anyways. I don't know how the YouTube algorithm would treat it. And so all I want to say, note of compassion-wise, I, I did put out a tweet a week or two ago asking, you know, in tech, what's interesting is for the most part, our industry is largely not affected by things like lockdown. We are already work from home. We already, you know, make a typical, you know, reasonable salary. Um, but it is affecting ordinary people uh, who have jobs that are outside of the tech industry very badly. And so... I put out a tweet suggesting what can the tech industry do? Can we maybe create some kind of flexible employment uh, and some relief opportunities for people who who are unemployed as a result of COVID um, and these lockdowns? Uh, it's, it's a pretty bad financial economic situation for these people. And the feedback I'm getting from them, the social services here in Canada are not helping them. At this point, their networks have been tapped out because there have been so many lockdowns already. Um, and then there's other problems as well in Canadian society, uh, such as our cost of living is too high, the amount we're paying for internet and mobile phone services, and especially the big one uh, since 2020 has, of course, been housing. And so uh, it's just an idea I tweeted, you know, I, I made a small donation, but it, is there room for the tech industry to step in? Can we create some flexible job opportunities so people who are affected by lockdowns can still have uh, can still make some money, put some bread on the table. Um, they have mouths to feed, and you know this is a this is an important problem and also a chance for us to to be the solution. Um, and so, anyways, uh, just want to put that note of compassion out there. Uh, now we're going to be talking about uh, the AI stuff. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with me. Um, OpenAI announced Glide late December. Uh, this is a new kind of model. I believe they've open sourced it. There's a collab notebook, which you can also try it that they've released. The main feedback I'm hearing about Glide is that it's fast. And there's certain kinds of prompts where it does do pretty good generations. Um, now I'm gonna be releasing a later video where I'll be showing people how to use it. I'll be sharing my results. But so far it's really exciting to see. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm convinced that 2021 must have been one of the most epic years for OpenAI and perhaps for the tech industry in general. That company put out so much research, products, API updates. 
in in the year 2021 i at one point i feel like i lost track glide came out end of december and keep in mind they had announced dally in january of last year as well so literally in the same year they announced two image generation multimodal products and just the rate that that company is innovating, the amount of breakthroughs coming out of that company, I think we're seeing something like Bell Labs or, or you know what I mean? Like uh, the Xerox Park, like something of that caliber. We may be witnessing computing history, whatever's going on at OpenAI last year. And I'm excited to see their cadence this year as well. So anyways, back to Glide. Uh, it just seemed really interesting. My first thought when I saw it was, oh, man. I hope I don't have to rename GPTX Dally in our multimodal future. <laughs> the series I dropped last year, I spent half a year on last year. Um, I was just like kicking around, like, am I going to have to rename that to GPTX Glide in our multimodal future? <laughs> like, uh, and personally, I, I, you know, I find the name Dally to be quite endearing compared to something like Glide. Glide, I don't know, it sounds like almost like a like a what like a Swiffer or like a you know like a consumer kind of cleaning product uh, I don't know I can almost imagine something like that <laughs> but anyways like uh, I'm gonna have a follow-up video showing people how to use glide the different things about it I sort of hit up the the dally discord shout out to everybody in, in that discord you know it's popping right now a lot of people into multimodal stuff on there great community very helpful and and you know um I just I want to I, I just sort of pinged the the general chat generally to ask like how are you guys finding the different models and so the feedback that I got is are you Dolly is very compelling perhaps on par with Dolly which OpenAI never released and then Min Dolly is also incredible and gives you multiple options and Glide is just fast so I may be coming out with a comparison video later. Um, just to showcase different models, different options you now have. If, if you're, you know, AI artist, uh, if you're looking to use multimodal AI to generate some images, make some cool art, perhaps make a comparison video. Um, I'll be honest, one of the things I struggle with, uh, I think I've been a developer so long that I have trouble sometimes being an artist or thinking like an artist. Uh, even though I made the series GPTX Dally in our multimodal future, I just find myself like I need to carve out more time simply to use the models like Min Dally or RU Dally or Glide and make stuff with it, make cool art with it. Um, and I've been sort of soul searching. I feel like maybe I need to find some topic that I'm passionate about and use you know that that energy from from that topic that i'm interested in to actually use and experiment these models and express myself i think there's something about you know how i've been the past couple of years i just have not really been expressing myself i've had maybe some difficulty expressing my emotions and art is really about not just expressing yourself not just playing around making cool stuff but it is about um you know capturing these emotions into something other people can relate to so anyways um uh, so the glide update is, is simply that it looks really cool. I encourage you to check it out. I'm going to put the link in the description. Uh, stay tuned to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash BAKZT future. And, you know, we'll have some, we'll have some, I'll have some updates coming up for that. And I think actually a comparison video between all the models would be really cool. Uh, what else? So, uh, I want to talk about, yes. So, um, last December I put out my predictions video these are predictions for 2022. Um, and so let's let's go over that article right now. 
I wanted to, to chat about the article, go through it, maybe in some detail. And also, I, I sort of thought of some more predictions as well since I published it. <laughs> and so today, we'll quickly go through some more predictions. And of course, I have a, a very big prediction, which I'm going to talk about in today's podcast. I didn't even mention it anywhere else, that I think GitHub Copilot may surpass GPT-3 this year. Uh, this is pretty huge if you think about it. I'm not sure if everybody else in the community is thinking about it, but it's one of those things. I was sort of reading the tea leaves and, you know, talking to different people and I, I got some goosebumps. So I, I thought, you know, I should share that here on the podcast and sort of just put the idea out there that this kind of transition may happen. So anyways, for now, let's let's take a look at the GPT-3 predictions for 2022 article. So... Uh, I start off by saying that, um, like, like, <clears throat> like, what's what's the point of making a predictions article, anyways? Um, this is something every industry takes advantage of. Like, wh- what to expect from 2022? And most industries they are looking at it from the perspective of uh, content marketing. They're looking at it like, oh, this is a cool article. You know, top 20 things to expect next year. A lot of these are like pointless predictions like, you know, people will use more mobile phones. People will use their phones more <laughs> next year. Uh, and also, I just think it's, you know, it's just some clickbait, really. Um, and they get more leads, you get some eyeballs. They know people are supposed to be spending time with their friends and family during the holiday season and New Year's. But really, they're on their phones. <laughs> and so um, that's why most people do it. In my case... I don't need leads. I don't need eyeballs. You know, I, you know, I, I really have a great audience. I don't even need a bigger audience, to be honest. Um, the reason I wrote this article is I, I think the future is important. I think the future is important. I think it's important to have these kinds of discussions. We should be talking more about the future, not less, or distilling it down into some watered-down kind of content marketing blog post, right? And so I think talking about the future is important. I think it's cool to put some of these ideas out there. Maybe some of those things weren't going to happen, but by putting them into an article, it, you know, it gets in the mind of somebody who is in the position to make that happen, and then it happens. I think it's important to perhaps share where I'm at, like my notes, just to see other people's notes, where they think things are going to go. And it's, I think it's good to, ch- to chat about the next 6 to 12 months, give some predictions. Perhaps people can... Uh, start to think about what is their game plan for 2022 how do they want to position themselves to be successful uh this is this is about people's careers too right like this is not just about some tech company and what they're going to do next year um and so i i guess on the whole i'm saying conversations about the future are important and that's why i published this article i want to keep talking about the future i want to keep fighting for the future um and uh you know, I, I also try not to make too much like wishy-washy kind of predictions. Um, I've I've sort of ordered the article. <laughs> I wrote uh, my 2022 predictions in order of somewhat feasible to unlikely. <laughs> and so I don't know what that says about my own confidence level, but I'm just disclosing like, you know, um, at, like I'm trying to, to try to be a little bit objective, like, you know, um, like there is, you know, some respect to feasibility and wishy-washiness. And I try to ground my predictions into not just reality, but also the technology itself. Keep in mind, I am a technologist, right? Like I write code. I'm not just 
an outside industry observer with no coding experience. And so there is some scope to the predictions I'm sharing here. So anyways, that's why I wrote the article. I, I, I'm just passionate about the future. Um, and so my first prediction was OpenAI's 2022 strategy, OpenAI's 2022 strategy, increased developer satisfaction, offer outsized API benefits. So what does that mean? Um, that means, so OpenAI last year, we saw a lot of competition, right? We saw uh, Cohere stepping in, we saw AI21, we saw Luther AI release two models. Uh, Google published some research, although they didn't release their models or open up some kind of service. Um, and Microsoft Azure stepped in as well, offering GPT-3, right? Because they have a license for that technology. And so because of OpenAI's competition, my prediction for this year is they will try to make their API the obvious choice as a language model API, like almost like a no brainer. And the way I kind of think about it is, is kind of like Amazon prime. Like if you even order delivery, I'm sorry, if you even pay for shipping without Amazon prime, like five times a year, uh, you, you like maybe five or 10 times, you may as well have already paid for Amazon prime, right? It's a no brainer to purchase Amazon prime. Most U S households have Amazon prime. Uh, and Amazon Prime comes bundled in, bundled in with like its own Netflix, right? <laughs> Prime Video. And I believe it has some music and other benefits as well. I think it comes with photo storage. Like they bundled in just so much stuff that it's a no-brainer to get it, right? Like you, you kind of have to do it. Like it makes every kind of economic sense to do so. And so um, I, I sort of in the article, like I, I, you know, I put out a tweet, like what could this mean? Like, you know, giving free credits offering special kinds of pricing if you have a gpt3 application which is more like a public utility a more generous free trial period right so people can keep using it uh you know as they go along and at one point they will come up with a use case that you know they want to then commercialize uh the what the, what does this also mean so what does the no-brainer language model of choice company mean so it also means reduced api pricing I, I think that's one of my major predictions for 2022. I think OpenAI will maybe reduce their pricing by like 10%. Um, and the reason that it is that, that I think it's that like that is every time they reduce the pricing, it makes people more likely to use it and integrate it more deeply. Um, they can offer pricing at scale that perhaps their competitors cannot. Um, and I just think every order of magnitude, they bring that pricing down, the more customers and retention they'll see. So it's a pragmatic financial decision for them to make. Now, obviously I don't have, you know, access to their spreadsheet or their balance sheet, sorry, that is spreadsheet, their balance sheet and their, um, you know, API billing dashboard to, to, you know, tell you for sure that they're gonna reduce their API pricing. All I'm just saying is it would make sense for them to do so. And by the way, the current API pricing is one of the biggest criticisms for the OpenAI API. Many people say it's just too expensive and that's a hindrance from them using it more. Now, me personally, I, I don't think it's that expensive uh, for a couple bucks a month. I got access, I get access to a state of the art uh, language model and codex and all this stuff. And it would cost, cost me much more to run those servers on my own, but Anyways, that's my opinion. I, I can imagine for some use cases like chatbots and also if you have like a big sort of prompt and, you know, all the different things talk to each other. I can I can see why like a chained prompt kind of ecosystem, it, it's just too costly at this point. 
Uh, I talked about streamlining fine-tuning. That might be something OpenAI will do this year. At this point, fine-tuning is of strategic importance to every one of these language model, multimodal, multimodal model companies. Um, and the reason that I say that is fine-tuning is essential for commercialization. It's essential for safety. Uh, it's essential for deploying these, these, these use cases on these language models. And so... I think we'll see a lot of updates in this area, a lot of attention towards it. It'll become easier. The UI will be nicer. The experience will be better. They'll have better results. We'll understand more about fine tuning and how to get it to, to, to work and, and fit your different uh, use cases you're looking for. I put out this idea of an OpenAI app store, some kind of showcase that they might do this year or something like that. Um, obviously, again, I don't have inside information, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were already working on something like this. Sorry, uh, I, I, I'd be a, I'd be a little bit surprised if they didn't have, um, if they weren't even considering exploring other business models. So imagine you could through OpenAI have your model, have it hosted there, have have the like have the fine tuned version there, and then sort of create your own little mini API hosted on OpenAI and collect money directly that way, right? So it wouldn't just be an app store, it would also be some kind of API hosting service and you could make money from your prompts, basically, and your different uh, GPT-3 fine-tuned models. But anyways, I mean, it, it'd be interesting if they did explore that area and innovate a little bit. Um, uh, it, it could have some really exciting possibilities. Uh, then I also wrote business as usual, so OpenAI will uh, you know, continue improving the technical documentation, they'll scale their infrastructure, they'll streamline the app commercialization process, they'll add new endpoints, the UI will get better. So I'm saying OpenAI will perhaps altogether reduce their API pricing, bundle in newer opportunities and features that their competitors cannot, right? New kinds of advantages. They'll streamline the fine tuning API and process. They may open an app store. And I'm saying on top of that, they'll be doing all the existing stuff they're already doing, the kinds of things we saw last year. Um, I put in a pointless prediction, more OpenAI GPT-3 competitors. I mean, obviously, I, I think at this point, that's not even something we need to debate. Um, with with this piece, it's interesting because I, I, you know, I can see perhaps, you know, another company, big one stepping in whether that's AWS or Google finally, you know, creating some kind of platform where you can interact with their models. I think that could be a big development we'll see this year in 2022. Uh, 2022, a critical year for online communities and discourse. I encourage you to read my article on this. I put it out in early December and it's just basically about with all these language models out there, both GPT-3 and the open source ones coming out of Eleuther AI, we may see our online communities and anywhere you can publicly post and leave comments, we might see them under some kind of stress and load from you know these uh, language model-aided bots, essentially. And so what does that mean for community infrastructure? I basically propose in that article that if I was you know, a head of a website that has a community or a social media leader, I would actually come up with some kind of AI language model disinformation strategy. I would think about community policies like pseudonymity and to see if that's still valid in this you know, language model aided world. Um, and there is this possibility that your community goes downhill over the course of a year or two, you have no idea why. 
and later you find out it was all bots and so it's all bots the discourse discourse goes downhill and essentially all the humans leave because it's not the same it doesn't have that same warmth and everything else considered that it used to so just putting it on your radar that's something that i think is a possibility in 2022 um I talk about my biggest GPT-3 prediction is that it may take over schools and colleges, college campuses. Uh, at this point, that article, I think it got like thousands and thousands of views. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if most people in the community have already read it. But I'm just I'm putting it out there that, you know, and I talked about it actually in the podcast last time. But I'm just putting it out there that I think this could be very real. Uh, it could very well go viral on campuses and perhaps change education forever. 2022 is going to be a really exciting year. <laughs> um, and then I have a prediction about, you know, more verticalized GPT-3 engines. So, you know, we saw GPT-3 for books. We saw math GPT-3. I predict new kinds, perhaps very heavy industry focused ones like GPT-3 for legal text, a specific GPT-3 engine just for customer service bots, GPT-3 for medical and email. And one of the, you know, crazier ideas I kick around is GPT-3 for kids. I don't think that would happen this year, but perhaps, you know, after a few years, once our understanding of safety and fine tuning improve, perhaps we will one day come up with a language model that is completely safe for kids to use. And that would be a very significant industry benchmark, industry milestone. And of course, uh, you know, commercialization and safety milestone uh that if it's safe enough for kids perhaps we've crossed some threshold where it can really be out there so uh just putting it out there uh there were some 2021 gpt4 rumors that i heard like gpt4 is coming the next version of codex is going to be insane there's gonna be some dally and multimodal updates i'm not going to be commenting here on the podcast because it's just not worth addressing the hearsay but I put it in the article just because um, I'll, I'll quickly go through the last few. So the, the first is, you know, GPT-4, if it does come, it will likely have new capabilities that we can't imagine. And so therefore, we may need new terms of use and policies, perhaps. Um, I, I predicted that copy.ai, as much as I love them, I'm friendly with the founders, they may see a big company like Adobe or Salesforce or Canva or HubSpot step in. Uh, they might bundle in all of copy.ai's functionality into their existing suite of products. I could see a big company creating a copy.ai clone just for the purposes of getting marketing leads and offering the entire service for free just to get people's emails and phone numbers that are relevant to their customer base. They could, they would do something like that, like, like, just just for fun, they would do something like that, just to get get that information and offer all of copy.ai's existing functionality. Now, I hope that's not the case, but whatever happens to copy.ai, everyone in the GPT-3 community, we should be paying close attention. And the reason is simply that um, whatever happens to copy.ai may happen to everybody else next. I've talked in the past about how GPT-3-based businesses do not really have competitive advantages. They're very easy to copy, and that's because GPT-3 is available to everyone. Uh, and so it's important to see what copy.ai does, what happens to them. There might be a lesson here, or they might even beat it, and you know, then, then we'll see that it is possible to build a GPT-3-based business and compete effectively. Uh, 
I have a, you know, I have a prediction around, you know, industrial criticisms around language models and their energy consumption, both at training time and inference. I'm not going to be talking about it, but the, the short of it is I'm going to, I'm hoping to offset my own 2022 carbon emissions this year. Um, even though data centers, centers run already on, um, I believe on renewable energy, I still think it's a criticism as an industry we could get ahead on. And last, my last prediction was basically, I, I think the global situation, geopolitically, economically, healthcare-wise, it's going to get worse. <laughs> and so, sorry to end on a gloomy note, but that's just where I'm at. That's where the piece ends. Uh, I hope you enjoy that piece. Um, I started thinking about it since August of last year. Like, what, what could happen in 2022? Um, a lot of times, you know, I'm, I'm at the grocery store. My subconscious is thinking about it. I go on bike rides. Um, I have conversations with different people, both in the community, out of the community, uh, industry leaders. And so this piece is the sum of all those things. And I encourage you in the comments, please let me know. What are your thoughts? Did you have any predictions for 2022? And if I'm wrong in any way, or maybe I'm extrapolating a little bit too much, Please let me know because, again, these predictions, honestly, they are for fun. And I'd love to hear uh, where are gaps in my thinking. Um, I want to talk about, so uh, since I published the article, um, I have even more predictions. <laughs> um, so I'm going to quickly go through the main ones. So math GPT-3 will solve high school level math in 2022. I mean, this is me thrown out like this idea because it was already able to solve elementary school level math and if it does solve high school level math and this stuff is like a linear uh, progression um, does that mean it could maybe solve uh, math theorems at a university phd level a few months after that i mean just throwing that out there if this stuff truly is linear how far can it go uh, it'd be pretty crazy if, if math GPT-3 is solving math theorems. What could that mean for humanity and society? Um, and the other prediction I have is OpenAI Codex will write maybe 30% of my own code in 2022. This is assuming a new version drops with you know increased capabilities that we cannot even conceptualize today. Um, it's, in my opinion, GitHub Copilot is already writing 8 to 10% of my code. Um, and so 30% would be crazy. And what does that mean for employment and all these things? Uh, perhaps in a future video, I will discuss. Um, and I, I think the last one is OpenAI will have a challenging year legal and policy wise. They just opened up GPT-3 last year. And so this year, since, you know, the Pandora's box has been opened, um, I think they're in for you know, a, a new series of challenges with a broader public using it, perhaps using it for nefarious purposes, discovering unintended use cases and sort of navigating from a policy perspective where they come out, uh, what's the best thing to do in all of these situations, working with different government and other kinds of partners. Uh, and so I guess, so this is where, this is sort of my last topic. Now that I covered my more predictions as well as my, you know, first round of predictions for 2022. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is I, I just think that uh, this year we may see GitHub Copilot surpass GPT-3. 
Um, even though it came after GPT-3, even though GPT-3 has all this hype and it's justified, I actually think, you know, I, I am hearing of GitHub Copilot being used at all of these kinds of engineering teams. Um, and it's kind of like a slow killer. It's like a slow and silent killer. You don't even realize it's slowly taking over the world. But I think that's what GitHub Copilot is doing. I also, in my article, I talked about how GPT-3 could go viral on schools and college campuses. Um, I'm starting to think perhaps GitHub Copilot is already going viral <laughs> on schools and college campuses. If you're a computer science major, your teacher might tell you to get that from the very first day installed on your computer or not, right? But if I was an undergrad, I would be using GitHub Copilot to help me with different computer science courses, different challenges. Uh, at, at its best, it's solving a lot of trivial things so you can focus on the higher level problems. Um, and so anyways, I just think we've sort of underestimated GitHub Copilot. Um, GPT-3 has a lot of hype. I think it has a lot of merit. It's got a big audience that, you know, would because because it has such diverse use cases, like it can write poetry, it could write copy, it can't even write code as well. Um, I just think perhaps we're underestimating GitHub Copilot. We may see it surpass GPT-3, especially if a new version of Codex comes out. Um, it's going to be really crazy to watch. Um, and also coding is a very defined use case. It's a very big and defined use case. Um, and it's cool. GPT-3 does all these other use cases and so much more, but perhaps the path to world domination is something as fixed and defined and something definable as, as what GitHub Copilot does. Um, and so anyways, I, like, I just wanted to close on that. I guess that's my last 2022 prediction. And uh, I hope I don't have any more because we're already what? Uh, this is like, it's already been like 10 days into 2022, right? <laughs> and so anyway, so keep an eye out. I got, uh, I just dropped an article about, you know, GPT-3 based insurance. You know, this is a idea I've been kicking around since last year. I got some multimodal stuff, and I think the next thing on my radar, I want to drop a tutorial on how to use GPT-3 for beginners. And I, I have also been kicking around that series called Essays on OpenAI Codex. Uh, that's looking like it's going to be Q1 this year, uh, probably next month. Probably won't get to it this month. But anyways, I got lots of stuff on the radar. So anyways, that's it. That's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, happy 2022. Uh, please stay safe out there. I'm sure you know how bad things are. Um, you know about this podcast, Multimodal by Baxter Future. You can find it on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, type in Multimodal by Baxter Future. Make sure you have notifications on so you get notified every time I drop a video. Set it to auto-download and add it to the top of your queue so that it's seamless. Anytime I drop a new podcast, you just hit play and you can hear my voice and it's going. Uh, you, know about my, you know about my newsletter, bakztfuture.substack.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at bakztfuture. Add me on Instagram too, bakztfuture. I keep saying I'm going to upload some, some, some of my own multimodal art. Hopefully this year I'll get around to it. Um, and so anyways, lots of ways to follow me. I'm, you know, I'm really pumped about 2022. 
uh, I'm sure you know, you figured out, like I'm a proper workaholic, so I get excited whenever I, I'm in Q1, Q2, Q3, whenever I even hear these terms, I get excited. I think I just need an excuse to work. And so anyways, I'm going to be, you know, I got some great stuff planned across all the different mediums for this year. I'm excited to drop it, share it with you. Uh, and of course, I'm excited to even see what happens in this space. Anything is possible in this space. 2022 could be, you know, 10 times bigger and greater than 2021. And odds are it probably will be. So anyways, that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.